It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin and Camp Dynasty's first special guest appearance, a living legend of the business, the man affectionately known as KeelPro88. It is Caleb Schmitz making his Camp Dynasty debut. What is up, Caleb? Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> always, always wanted to use that one. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. College football season, we're pretty much into bowl season, so we've seen a lot of these guys all season. A lot of guys already declaring, opting out of their uh, random bowl games. So I'm excited to just kind of see where we're at. You know, it's early in the process. There's still not a ton of film out on these guys, but we've been watching games, seeing what the, what's out there, and. Uh, I'm excited to get see where your guys are are looking at here as we sort of set a baseline for draft season. Yeah, Caleb, we we've uh, gassed up the dynasty index before. We've gassed up the YouTube channel, but it's really incredible though the the fact that you're like one of the mainstays of like film YouTube. And then when we you know we're when we get blessed with the film drops, it's like yes. Keel Pro saving the day. We get to watch these guys, uh, but yeah, we're we're happy to have you on and hear all your insightful opinions because we know that you've been tapped into these guys uh, just as much, if not more, than we have. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Caleb, you said it's early. Some might even call it way too early, <laughs> and that's what we're here to do because we signed off last week. See you later, college football. On to draft season, and that's where we land right now. This is why we had to get Caleb on the show today, because it is our very first Camp Dynasty mock draft. It is the way-too-early 2023 Dynasty rookie mock draft right here at Camp Dynasty. I, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. We're here. We've been talking about these guys, Colin, for four months, and now they're going to get draft positions. I know this is this is beautiful. I I man, I can't wait. I've been hyping myself up all day, and then uh, <laughs> like like last week, I I remember it, Caleb texted us. He's like, "Hey, have you watch this guy." I was like, "No, I've never heard of that person." It, it felt like that that moment where you're like, you know, sitting. You you got your little group. You're in your own little realm, and and that's where we've been at Camp Dynasty. And we talk about all these guys here and there. And then the other friends like comes in and he's like, Hey, yeah, no, have you, uh, you watch this show, you know, you, you watch that, the, all those, you, you watch game of Thrones, you watch your, you know, Andor, Mandalorian, all that. And the other friends like, Hey, have you seen the bear? And then you watch it. And it's the greatest thing you ever seen. And he's like, yeah, have you seen <laughs> Romeo a Duns. And I'm like, no, I've never watched him before in my life. And I watched him. I'm like, God, this guy's electric. Where'd he, where'd he come from? How do we, how do we miss that? But yeah, now now we get to go mock drafting. Uh, Might have been busy uh, missing the forest for the trees, but now we get to kind of zoom out and and see everything as it is. And that's part of the process here. Is you you gotta you gotta get outside of that box and bring Caleb in. Everybody knows generally what we think about these players at this point in time. That may change uh, in some cases rapidly over the next several months as we dive deeper and deeper into what each of them brings to the table. But 
our opinions are well documented. Caleb, you are the wild card in this mock draft. So uh, I'm excited to to find out where your head is at with some of these guys right now. Uh, how this is going to work? We're doing a we're doing a snake style. Uh, so technically, it's everybody's drafting with the idea that they're sort of at the helm of their own team, but the snake does set it up for in a final competition of who has the best collection of first round talent. So maybe we'll bring that to a, to a Twitter poll, but um, yeah, excited to get started. Total random, totally random. Uh, No, absolutely nothing at play here. And I, I earned the number one pick uh, by pure chance. So uh, I guess that means I'm on the clock. If it's by pure chance. Yeah. yeah, just, you randomized and it gave you the one. If you earned it, you did a little something. I put in my work. You know, I, I searched random number generator on Google and I, I followed the process to a T and I earned it. And here I am we, on we, the clock. We appreciate your hard work over here. <laughs> so with that being said, let's kick it off. Uh, first mock of the season, way too early, 2023. Uh, number one, 101. Uh, is there any question? which direction we're going here. Uh, one player has earned the moniker of Mr. 101 for the past several months, and that is exactly who is going number one right now, and that is Bijan Robinson, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, there's nothing nothing shocking here, and I don't think it'll change from the way-too-early version to the final version next July. Lock it in, write it in stone, Bijan Robinson is the top pick. How much does it uh, fuck the 23 draft if Bijan decides not to declare? I mean, that would make me (laughs) sick. I think that'd make a lot of people sick. A lot of teams who were having bad years and all these blow for Bijan races. if, If that happened, boy, some seasons would be ruined even after they're already done. <laughs> I I just keep imagining the scenario where where Bijan puts out the tweet and he's like, oh my job's not finished, you know, <laughs> and he's uh goes back and the kind of ETN-esque goes and, and runs it back with Texas and and then we're sitting here and it's like who's who's the one oh one? Is it is it you know, and we'll we'll go through the list as we go, but man, that that would be a hell of a a hell of a surprise for us waiting, but uh, yeah, assuming that he comes out uh, obvious one-on-one, there's no question about it. Yeah. He's been electrifying all season. He's been billed as this top guy and he hasn't really done anything to lose that status. There's some good running backs in this class, but this guy is just a cut above them. And uh, honestly getting the number one overall pick as you earned in this mock draft, it already gives you an advantage because you have that clear cut number one guy that, doesn't matter what else we do. We can't quite get that talent. But, um, yeah, that's I mean, that's what we're going for. It'll be interesting to see how high he goes in the NFL draft. Running back values in the NFL are getting kind of weird. How high will a team reach for him? I don't know if it'll be Saquon-esque top five, but uh, got to assume he's going to be going somewhere and being a workhorse right away. Man, I it, it does paint a very interesting picture when you put it like that, where – We've talked about how talented this draft class is for 
I mean, dynasty players have been talking about this class for years at this point, and we've been running through the guys constantly impressed with what we're, what we're seeing here with these first round players. And yet at the same time, it really does feel like Bijan is <laughs> cut from a different cloth. He is the de facto, you know, he's on his own tier, even in a class of, of extremely talented players. So, I mean, for him to, for him to go back, that derails an entire strategy for any team that invested in this class a couple of years ago, knowing what was waiting for them. I mean, but yeah, for now, you still Mr. 101 in my books. I mean, Quinn Ewers, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy, that offense could do it. Man. Yeah, that that's Please that's no. kind of the the thing. It's like you know, oh, Alabama's falling off. You know, uh, Georgia they're they're a powerhouse either way, so it's probably not going to matter. But usually, you can uh, if you could take the reins over there, you, you never know. But yeah, I man, if Bijan that 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 make for a hell of a twenty twenty four class. I tell you what, <laughs> Mar Marvin Harrison and and Bijan at the top of the twenty four class would be stupid but disturbing uh, yeah it, it's saying something that the most compelling talking point narrative about Bijan going 101 is will he even be in the draft class because there's <laughs> yeah. no reason to even sit here and tell you why he's the 101 you already know that so yeah, that seriously. being said let's figure out who's going number two this is maybe interesting colin this earns yeah. the right to this pick so colin what direction are you headed Sorry, I almost jumped the gun. I That's okay. We didn't I didn't tell people the uh, sprinting to the podium. Um, I respect the draft energy. order beforehand, but I uh, this was tough for me. I, I hit up the group chat and asked, you know, what are we doing for uh, scoring system? And I, I was like, do we do? Are we doing half PPR, full PPR? Because that that was kind of going to help me make my decision. Because obviously Jameer Gibbs is sitting right there. And if we're going full PPR, that's kind of interesting. You know, we're going, but we decided to go with half PPR. And uh, th then it, it's between Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I love, and Jameer Gibbs. And I, I landed on JSN. I'm going Jackson number two. I, I like Gibbs, but there's there's some flaws in this game that make me worried about him being a work workhorse running back. And I think JSN walks in as a clear number one option for any team that drafts him. I have been sniped. There goes my <laughs> A-plus draft. Um, yeah, honestly, I mean, I assumed you were going with one of the two, JSN or Gibbs, and I was kind of hoping Gibbs. But JSN, JSN has obviously been a huge talking piece uh, across the draft, across your guys' podcast, and I think he still deserves to be there right at two. I would I would say that's a great spot for him. Obviously, we didn't get to really see him this season, but, um, I mean, he, he asserted his dominance the year before with, with other top receivers in that Ohio State offense. Um, he's sort of – it seems like he's sliding down boards almost just because he hasn't played. And it's not like it was a major injury. Like, it was just a hamstring that limited him all year. And, you know, you think of, like – when Jamar Chase missed a season and everyone like he was the guy forever, but as he got close to the draft, it's like, well, he hasn't played in a year. We haven't seen this. We haven't seen that started to get a little downplay on chase. I probably could see the same stuff with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I don't care. Cause this guy is a stud. Um, 
I really fell in love with him, obviously, the year before. He plays a lot of the slot. We'll see what he can do outside, but I think he's just such a high-floor player with uh, high upside. So at two, I think this is a smash, even though we didn't really get to see him this year. Man, it's hilarious because this this whole slot only thing and you talk about him being a high floor player and it just like jogs my memory to past years where it's like, hey, Justin Jefferson can't get out of the slot, but he's a pretty high floor player. I really like his wide receiver two ceiling. How'd that work out? I mean, <laughs> sometimes guys are just incredible and I'm not comparing the players obviously here, but situationally, I think it's really kind of, you know, you put yourself in a little bit of a box when you say something like high floor. That implies that there isn't, you know, this ridiculous ceiling that I think also does exist. I mean, these play these slot players have major, major roles at the NFL level. So, yeah, I, you know, we're going to get into it. We'll get into the rankings and the grades and all that. But, man, as the season has progressed, I I'm feeling more and more like nothing is going to change for me in the wide receiver room uh, with, with Jackson being number one. I don't care that he's missed the time. I I also feel like you talk about uh, JSN as a slot guy. I, I don't know if he has to only be a slot player at the next level. Like I, I know that's generally mainly what he's done at Ohio state, but in the uber talented wide receiver rooms that he's been in i mean there's been no reason to move him outside of the slot and uh, if you you get him in a creative offense i mean i i don't see why you can't see him go on the outside it's not like he doesn't have the ability to run routes on the outside it's just he he's incredible out of the slot and uh if he can just do that well i i think he still is a very very good player yeah it's tough when he you know he's a year younger he didn't have priority over olave and wilson who were playing on the outside so i don't know if he got pigeonholed into that role but i I agree i thought the exact same thing mungo and mostly i didn't say it because i didn't want to drop jamar chase and justin jefferson in the same exact (laughs) sentence or paragraph (laughs) there but uh, i agree where it's like high floor guy plays in the slot um it does sort of remind you of that. I'll, I'll be interested to see what what he like runs, how what that speed looks like. Um, I mean, Garrett Wilson, everyone thought he was like a four or five guy, and then he ran what mid four fours. So I I don't think that's do or die. I'm not saying that or anything, but um, I don't think yeah. I'm I'm not gonna have a slide for JSN. I, he's gonna be firmly up here in the in the top three for me. Well, you got sniped, Caleb, but you're on the clock now. So who is the pick at number three? Yeah, I wanted JSN, but I can't fault Colin for going that way. So I'm going to take the guy he was deciding with, and I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs. Um, Just electrifying runner, like one we haven't really seen in a while, I feel like. Um, Burst and speed, elite quickness, uh, an elite pass catcher for a running back. Um, he just looks like he glides when he runs and when he's in the open field, he just makes like nasty cuts, breaks angles, like he can do it all, but can he take over a full workload? What does he look like at the next level? You know, he comes in at about 5'11", 200. He's a little, little thin. Can he take over a workhorse role or is getting 20 carries a game or is this more of a 14, 15 carry guy? And then you get him five, six uh, targets, you know, and I would see maybe like 
an Alvin Kamara role for Jameer Gibbs. I think he would fit really nice in an offense somewhere. I just don't know if he can fully take on, you know, between the tackles, 20 carries a game. I think if you're drafting for that, you're you're not looking at the right guy. That's the name, Alvin Kamara, because he has to be in a situation that will use him in that in that way. And I think, you know, draft capital is going to tell a big story here because he's widely projected to be the second running back off the board, in some cases, even as a first round draft pick. So if a team is taking him at 28 or whatever, they're going to use him. They're going to game plan for him. They're going to scheme touches to him. And that's going to involve the passing game as much as the running game. So I'm not super worried about what his role would would look like. I mean, we we uh, very loosely dropped the name James Cook back in the summer when we talked about Gibbs, where you get a little bit lower capital, the the role is a little bit less clear. Suddenly, you're not really sure what you get. But I think if 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 Gibbs gets that uh, premier capital, he he is more than talented enough as a runner. Uh, to be an effective NFL running back. It's just that his strengths are are beyond that, and they need to be maximized uh, for him to reach his full ceiling. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's Is he going to get put into a system that maximizes talent, or is he going to try – is he going to get put with a coach that thinks his scheme is above all? Because, I, I, man, that's the thing that, that pisses me <laughs> off more than anything, where it's like, you know – I, I think of Matt Nagy where he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to run what I run no matter what. And whoever is in my system. No, you got to adapt. What do you your think Matt's here. doing right now? I, he's I heard him out on the couch or I thought, I, I thought I saw him uh, working at Waffle House. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Sick yeah gig. Great benefits. Yeah. So I guys like that. I mean, if you get put in an offense like that and you get pigeonholed into a role and he's running out of single back between the tackles, I mean, obviously that's just not, a role that we expect him to succeed in. Um, I, like you said, Caleb, 200 pounds, he, he plays like he's 200 pounds too. It's not like there's some of these guys where it's like, yeah, no, he's, he's 200, but he plays big. He plays behind his pads. Gibbs doesn't really, he's, he's a scat back. He, you know, picks apart and, and, you know, gets his yards where he can. And then, I mean, the, the real draw to Gibbs is that, once he gets an open space, man, is he special? That is like ridiculous what he does. And uh, you mentioned gliding. I'd have to agree. I mean, he he catches the ball out of the backfield, and it it looks like you, man, you couldn't touch him if you <laughs> put lead in his shoes. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> the guy is insane. It's a little bit of a disease with that too. Let's <laughs> try to slow him down, but. I mean, I just, I, I want to say too, like, I think it, I think it's definitely like, it's easy to look at Gibbs and talk about him as a pass catcher and what is his upside as a runner, but there's plenty of these guys, man. I mean, Austin Eckler has made a, a, a career out of doing stuff like this. And, yeah. I, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, you want to talk about the top of the top? I'm just going to talk about the bottom of the bottom, you know, and I just have JD McKissick third overall. Yes. Naeem Hines, Congratulations. You know? No, but I, that's the thing here. It's like, I think he's, I think he has enough uh, ability and potential as just simply a one cut runner add in six to eight catches a game. And he's a special fantasy player. So 
I think, yeah, I think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, it, he'll be interesting come draft time. I feel like out of all these players near the top, he's the one who has, you know, the widest range of outcomes where I could see him going as early as two, but I could also see him falling to like seven maybe if, if there's a landing spot we don't like or if he doesn't get the draft capital we expect. I think there's some variance with Gibbs that it'll be interesting to see where that all, uh, how that all unfolds. Definitely. Definitely. I, that it's one of those things where I think he was sort of the de facto number two in a lot of eyes, but there's a lot of movement that can happen between now and, uh, and next summer. So, uh, Caleb, we're doing the snake style to give you a chance. So, uh, you're going back to back here. Who you got at number four? Yeah, this was a tough decision for me, honestly. Um, I'm going between two wide receivers and I guess this time I'm going to shoot for the stars a little bit. I'm going to go Quinton Johnston, TCU wide receiver. Um, he had an interesting season. I know listening to your pod, he had a couple calls home or at least one call home to start the year. And it was like, well, is this guy actually a thing? And then the second half of the season has just exploded and became the player that we all hoped he would become. Obviously, you know, an X receiver for his size, he has incredible, you know, acceleration, burst, speed, can make plays after the catch. Just in a class that kind of lacks that alpha dog kind of player, that size, speed freak, he fills that really nicely. So um, I think there is, you know, some risk for risk for a guy like this, but if he hits, you're you're really finding out yourself uh, a top dynasty wide receiver. Yeah, we talked about this last week where it's sort of the the good and the bad. You know, he's on one hand, like you said, Caleb, it's hard to pass uh, a size speed specimen like this. And specifically after the catch, I think is where he does things that are just special for a player his size. Um, Some of the things that we've sort of called into question are maybe uh, his big receiver traits. Is he is he a physical player? Is he a catch point player? Can he, can he do those things or, you know, is is that not showing up because he's, he's not able to do it effectively, or is that just not his role in this, uh, electrifying TCU offense? So, um, I think there's a little bit of those sorts of question marks around him, but again, I, with, with the speed and the, the yak ability that this player has at six, four, six, five. I mean, he he has this the one oh one ceiling in this class. I mean, he is that tor- that type of athlete. And so yeah, number four, that's a slam dunk in my book. Yeah, I, I think Johnston probably has the highest ceiling out of any wide receiver at, in this class. I think the like you like you guys said, I mean, the size and the speed, he it, it's not you see it mostly on the deep routes where he's on like uncovered running deep and it's like how the hell did he get that open it's just i mean he puts a move on a guy and then he's he's gone and it's like okay is that guy six four like he's doing that but then it comes down to the red zone you throw him a fade and uh, he kind of just lets the db take it so there's a lot of give and take with johnson uh but uh, the give can can be freaky he can be a an elite player for a very long time and uh, i mean yeah, you highlighted it. We've been talking about it all season. That that run after catch, where he can take a curl to the house, he can take a slant to the house. I mean, making people miss when 
you're that size if if he adds in that uh the red zone threat kind of thing and can uh not saying that he has to even but if he does that's what i'm talking about as like the highest ceiling out of any of these players because he adds that in and he's a a complete receiver and he's got i mean lead the league in touchdowns kind of upside yeah quentin Johnson, you know, somebody invoked the name Kevin White the other day when they were talking about Quentin Johnson. And I just I'm kind of laughing because I took Kevin White at number four overall (laughs) in 2015. (laughs) So but no, that's we're not going to talk about that. Um, All right. Fifth overall, Colin. Well, I have a guess. (laughs) (laughs) So Caleb was debating between two wide receivers. I think I know who the second wide receiver was. I hope I know who the second wide receiver Parker was. Parker Washington. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Hyatt. Okay. Oh, God. So I, I'm going to go Jordan Addison. I think that's a uh, – anybody can read me on that. I, that one was pretty pretty clear that I was going that direction. But, I mean, silky route runner, deep threat, uh, Caleb Williams' number one target in that USC offense. Uh, I mean, I – I have gone on and on about how much I like Addison. I can keep going. He's got that dog in him. You know, he's a little, little skinny. We talked about how uh, Caleb mentioned how Quint Johnson is the big X receiver in this class. Well, Jordan Addison ain't too bad himself. He could play the X, you know, just because he's skinny doesn't mean that he can't do it. You know, people question uh, Devontae Smith's dog in him. He did it. He's skinny, too. Uh, Jordan Addison seems like he's got that same kind of moxie. It seems like he uh, he'll take he'll challenge more physical corners. He'll take it head on and he'll route you up and make you look silly. So I'm going Jordan Addison. Love this player. Tried to move up to number four. Caleb wouldn't return my phone calls. <laughs> Going to make snipe this player, but. Uh, Caleb, what are your thoughts on Jordan Addison? He was a player that sort of started in a little bit of a, uh, wasn't loved by every member of this podcast, but we've all come around, uh, to the smaller potential X receiver in Jordan Addison. But what do you think about him? Yeah, I liked him when he was at, uh, Pitt. I thought I just fell in love with his route running, his ability to get open, his quickness, uh, how quick his feet are. And, um, He's just so sudden in and out of his breaks. Like he just knows how to get open. He's a technician in that way. And that's why I was battling between him and Quinton. Like if, if Quinton is the guy who's got the high ceiling, I mean, Jordan's got the high floor. I just think this, I don't, he's got to be like a high volume receiver. Just like feed him targets, get him targets. Like he's not going to make as huge of plays as Quinton possibly could, but he's going to churn out those 10, 15-yard catches, get him to the sideline, get him open over the middle. Um, I just think he's going to be a really, really good pro. So I knew you were going to take him with the next pick. So it, it was back and forth. But, yeah, Jordan, I, I like Jordan Addison a lot. I appreciate you letting me have him. That, that really <laughs> is, it makes me, you know. Hey, and there's a there's an, a totally realistic scenario here where Jordan Addison is, is the wide receiver one off the board. I mean – landing spots are going to you know have their impact on on things here and Addison is still sort of in that conversation is he going to be the first wide receiver off the board in the draft come April that could push him 
uh, straight up to potential number two, number three pick in this class. So uh, good find at five. I'm back on the clock here at number six, and this this gets a little bit interesting. Um, but there's a player who's sitting here, and he's it's I maybe classified as a fall, but I'm gonna take Zach Evans. Um, so I'm on record of saying I would not be shocked at all if the draft goes Bijan Gibbs, Zach Evans, uh, three running backs right off the gate. Seems like Zach's losing a little bit of steam after getting outplayed by Quinshawn Judkins all season long, um, dealt with some injuries, had a little bit of fumbling problems. There's enough happening here. We're in a really, really talented group of running backs. He's sort of started to lose some of the momentum that maybe he had coming into the season. But that being said, I will gladly take him at number six as as RB3 in this class. I mean, he still has the absolute dynamic uh, athleticism, speed, power game that we've referenced. He'll truck three people at one time, and then he'll cut back on the next guy and score. I mean, he's got all the tools It's just a matter of, you know, the little things. Can he stay healthy at the next level? Can he hold on to the football? Uh, And, you know, I think he can. I think he will. And I think he's going to be a great player. Yeah, this is this is just pure value at at this point, because Zach Evans being the third best running back in this class is is pretty crazy. I mean, you talk about, oh, if you take Bijan out, hey, it's a damn good running back class either way. Like, it's not all-time great, but it's damn good. Because Zach Evans, I mean, yeah, there's the question marks around him. There's can he handle a full workload? There's this, there's that, the other thing. But we were talking about him preseason as potentially the RB3. And we were saying we got to see if he can, you know, be the RB1 at all Miss. You know, if he can do it against tougher comp and uh, he outplayed his season last year at TCU and yes Judkins is really good we can keep having this conversation but I mean Zach Evans looks phenomenal when he has the ball in his hands so that that's what matters at the end of the day yeah I'm not gonna knock Zach Evans for playing with Judkins and that you know him splitting that time doesn't make him oh he can't be a three down back it's like no this guy has the size he's got the speed I think he's um just a slashing running back and he can take it to the house at any time so um one thing i noticed with him at least from the tape i watched i feel like he's at least the beginning of the season maybe it's because he was in a new offense but i felt like he lacked some patience like waiting for holes to break open and trying to always hit that home run which feels like an issue with like a lot of young running backs um but i think if he can clean that up um if anything he's saved a little uh tread on his tires with judkins taking some of the workload so uh yeah, to come to six here, I think um, it's a great, great value. The first six picks this draft is a are, are all just, I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> that's what, that's what's going to end up happening here is we're going to get to like pick ten and we're going to be like, God damn, this class is, <laughs> this is this is the class that we thought it was. Like, oh, I need to trade for more twenty three first. I need to oh, start God. moving some. I got to make some players. As soon as this season ends, I got to make some phone calls. I'll tell you that, but. Um, All right, well, I'm up again. This gets really hard for me now. Um, I have two players that I'm I'm choosing between here, and I it it feels like 
how can I choose? It's like, I, I can't break the other one's heart. Uh, and I can't live in a world where I don't have the other one on my team. But Colin, can I trade, can I trade for number eight? Real quick? Oh, God. I'll give you a, I'll give you 12 and a 24 first. No, uh, I am going to go with Zach Charbonnet. I'm going with Charbonnet. It, We've been talking about Charbonnet all season and it's sort of getting, it's, it's building to this point. Now it is, it is officially built to a point where Charbonnet has almost become the forgotten name in this running back class with the conversations with the top guys and everybody sees what he's doing at UCLA, but then you watch how he's doing it. And that's what is so impressive about it is it's not, you know, this isn't just the, the, the the Terminator that was destroying people last season uh, and may have been in a you know draft slot similar to this last year. Now he's doing it as a cutback runner. He's he's combining the the whole arsenal and he's taken his game to an entirely new level. And that's a player that I just cannot ignore. Uh, a running back with that sort of talent uh, in the middle, you know, back half of the first. Now uh, it's it's just too good. And and I think he has potential. By the end of this draft cycle, the season, get into the drafts. I mean, this could be a floor for him as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I just want to say it's funny you say like he's not getting a ton of chatter when I feel like in our circles, he's like one of the most talked about running backs. Um, It's just been like it was tough when he went back to school because I already thought he was such a good player, you know, and to go back. But he really opened up his game even more this year. He looks like a really natural pass catcher. Um, obviously, we know he's an absolute bruiser, but I also think he opened up, like, for a guy his size, he can make defenders miss, like, in the open field. He's got enough fluidity in him at that size where he can do that, and it really impressed me. He looks like the kind of guy that can take over a backfield, and, um, yeah, I just, I would agree. I mean, at seven, another great value. It's, it's he's a, you know, another extra year does kind of suck for the for the long term outlook of him. But I mean, if he he's, I feel like he's a guy you could almost plug and play at the next level. Yeah, that that's where I was going. It's like Charbonnet is such like if you told me only two running backs in this class succeeded at the next level, it would be Bijan for clear reasons and Zach Charbonnet that I would, that's who I would bet my money on because Charbonnet just feels like the type of guy that controls the backfield. Like you said, and you, you asked the question, you know, why did he come back? Why couldn't he just come out last year, you know, and, and be in that, uh, Brees Hall, Ken Walker, James cook kind of uh, range. And then he comes back and he has 200 more yards on the season on 10 less carries. And that then you see why and and you see the I mean, like you said, the sweet feet in the open field where it's like, oh, all right, Charbonnet can do this now. OK, we're we're not just, you know, pummeling over people for those two extra yards. No, we're putting the moves on him to get another 20. This is this is a lot of fun. And I mean, we talked about Charbonnet, I think, six, seven straight every weeks. single week. <laughs> yeah, it, we were talking about him because he was just putting up these gaudy numbers on low attempt games. So. Uh, you got to worry about the 194 carries, yes, but uh, when you're getting 20 a game and you're not getting touched for six yards, it's it's it goes down a little easier. 
Yeah, as far as like refinement among these running backs, he's might be the best. Just like you said, came back that extra year and he improved in every way and really, really, you know, got rid of maybe some of his weaknesses. So I'd say in terms of floor, maybe outside of Bijan, he might have the highest. Yeah, and that's that's exactly and the pass catching. I mean, yeah. that that is like the cherry on top here where it's like. You see what he does as a runner, and that's amazing as it is. But then consider the fact that this is a huge guy who can get into the open field as a pass catcher and and make plays. And and that's something that, you know, it every year it gets talked about it. If a running back can't catch passes, it's immediately when you talk about draft wise, it's like, well, you know, the upside's yeah. capped. Well, yeah, they suck. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ken Walker. <laughs> But yeah, Charbonnet even has that going for him. So, um, all right. Well, Colin, you're up here at number eight, and you, uh, I'd imagine, I hope, maybe. Listen, I am going to end up with every wide receiver on the board at this point because <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take Josh Downs here. Uh, one of my favorite players. Again, I feel like, you know, I, I keep landing in these spots where it's like, uh, do I I reach a tiny bit for a running back, or do I take the wide receiver that falls to me? I mean, it maybe reached for JSN, but outside of that, it's like you know, do I do I go with the the value play at wide receiver, or do I grab a running back before he gets to somebody else? But I mean, Downs, uh, he's a freak athlete. He plays the slot. He succeeds outside. He wins deep. He wins shallow. He can be used as a gadget guy. He can be used as a pure wide receiver. He, uh, I mean, wins jump balls at 5'11". He, uh, I can go on if you want. I just go down the list, all the bullet points of Josh Downs. But yeah, I, I would love to get this guy on one of my dynasty rosters. Yeah, I think this Josh Downs I'm maybe not as high as you guys are. Here we go. I don't know. made it. Yeah, there had to be something. Um, He's not quite there for me. I mean, I don't know. How dare you? Yeah, I know. (laughs) He he hasn't quite cracked that tier of receivers you guys have him in. Um, I do like, you know, his acceleration, quick fee, uh, flexibility and bend is really sick and reliable hands. Um. I probably need to watch more. I just don't know how physical he is, really, how he's going to, like, dominate defenders as much. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I know what you guys have been saying about him. I just don't quite have him up in that top tier of receivers right now. And that's, I mean, that's something that I think both of us talked about in the preseason. We both had him as our number four going into the season and the biggest knock. And that's really what it was. It kept him out of the tier for me. It was a three player tier. And what kept him out was that he was not a physical player. And that has bit many, many talented wide receivers in the butt when they get to the next level and the game just becomes so much more physical. So that is one thing that I'm really interested to see with his 2022 film is was was there a change? Was he winning some of those reps uh, against physical coverage? How was he dealing with contact at his break point and and things like that that were definitely weaknesses for him in 2021? 
Yeah, yeah. You see the the highlight plays where it's like, yeah, he can handle contact at the catch point. Yeah, he can handle contact after the catch. But it's really going to be once you start breaking it down, if he can handle it at the line of scrimmage coming out of his break and uh, or coming off of a the fuck whatever it's called when you start when you start running a route Uh, yeah i mean from what i saw because it was it was early in the season because i did a drake may cut up like right away because i was like holy cow who's this guy and downs looked good but i from what i saw in the beginning i wasn't like this is a guy is a smash first round pick but like i said we need to see a little more you know uh how how the rest of the season kind of unfolded and how he handles things... contact at his release. There it is. That's release. yeah, exactly. Yep. Jesus Christ, and there at his is. break. That that those both matter, and those will both come up when we watch the actual cutups of them. Well, and one thing that has given me some it's it's encouraging about it is all of the instances this season where he was playing extremely physical at the catch point. So. You see yeah. a lot of those instances where he is sort of going up against taller defenders in physical situations and coming down with a football. Um, so that's, you know, that's one aspect of it. But yeah, all, you know, getting to that point, um, got to break that down. So, uh, all right, Caleb, you are back on the clock. It has been a while since you picked Quentin Johnson, but ninth overall, who is it going to be? Board really opens up here, it looks like. Yeah, um, I really like how this unfolded, at least for me, because, like I said, Josh Downs wasn't going to be a guy for me there, honestly. So there's a few guys I still like, and actually really just a couple guys I still like, and I'm going to take them both coming up here. First, Blake Corum, running back, Michigan. Um, a proud member of the Blake Corum Stam, Stan Club. <laughs> um, he... I mean, he just looks so good this year. I think he should have been a Heisman finalist still, even since he bumped his knee and his knee got hurt. That really sucked. But, um, boy, great burst. I mean, his low center of gravity, he just makes these plays where there's like a tiny little hole. The the box will be stacked, and then he just makes one cut, and whoop, he's gone. He's going to the house. And he did that like five times this year where he just has the patience and vision the speed, the burst to make those kinds of plays. And then you add that in with uh, uh, he excels as a pass catcher. He's just super agile. He's got good speed. Like he's got pretty much everything I look for in a running back. You know, he comes in at 5'8", 200, which is maybe a little smaller, but I feel like he's decently, you know, sort of thickly built. He can maybe put on a little more weight, but I just think he's a really, really good player who has breakaway speed. I'm interested to see if he's got that, you know, sort of three down ability in him. He kind of sucks in pass protection from what I remember. So that's something he'll need to work on. So hopefully, hopefully projecting him to become a three down player rather than just a one a, um, but even if he is a one a, I think he's got, he's explosive enough where he can be reliable in fantasy. And that's exactly, I mean, you're picking nine here and this player didn't exist last year. There was no late first running back. And I think that's sort of a, it's, it, it's almost lost. I think in this class of how, how deep you can go and find players like this. And listen, a couple of weeks ago, I straight up admitted, I got to watch more Blake Corum. I don't think I've given this guy a fair shake. Um, you know, the size is obviously one thing that comes up with him um, time and time again, but 
again, he week after week, he proves that it, it doesn't matter. He was a workhorse for them. He was getting carries, you know, high 20s, 30 carries a game type type numbers there. Um, and, you know, broken tackle machine guy, very shifty, can can create yardage for himself. And that's always one of the biggest hallmark traits for any successful running back in the NFL is can you create yards on your own? Certainly seems like Quorum is well able to do that. Yeah, I got to, man, I got to get in the, the headspace of the Quorum Hive because I, I don't Camp, know. We've if been was... Camp Dynasty. Blake's been playing over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, been come on. hugging some Zach love. Charbonnet all year. It's like <laughs> I... parents are getting called at this point. Like, my kid's not getting enough attention. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, God, can we talk about my kid? I mean, come on. I know he's kind of quiet, but, like, he's, he's good. Yeah, uh, I he's he's – a phenomenal player. I mean, he's a workhorse running back in that Michigan offense. And he was kind of the, felt like the lifeblood for a while uh, until they replaced him. And the next guy did the exact same thing. So I, I don't know if that means anything. Uh, actually Edwards is good too. No, I know. So I know, if we're I know two, pl- for that. two, two players can be good at the same time. So <laughs> no, I, they I, can't. I, that, that's why Justin Jefferson sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, Corum, like you guys said, he he created yards. He got dirty yards. He he's a smaller player, but he doesn't like I talked about Gibbs before. He plays small. Corum doesn't play small. Corum plays like he's a lot bigger than he is, and that that shows in those thirty carry games when he is, I mean, putting his shoulder in you and getting those those dirty yards on third and four, and then he's uh you know later in that game when you're expecting. The shoulder pad to hit your chest, he'll put a move on you and then go to the house. So Corum Corum is a very interesting player for me. I'm excited to really dive deep and like dig into like what this player really is. And then maybe I can uh join in in the Corum hive. We'll get the hive going at some point, just for <laughs> Caleb. Um all right. I'm looking at this board. We got three picks left. And I'm looking at some of the names here, and I'm like, do I have any high seconds this year? But uh, Caleb, who is the who's the next up here? Yeah, so this is, like I said, I liked how my board fell out. As of now, this is kind of where my tier breaks off a little bit for me. Uh, but this is the last player I still really like, and that's Sean Tucker running back Syracuse. Um, I mean, what a career for him. Just productive all the way through. As a freshman, he had, I think, 600, yeah, 600 yards rushing. 1,400 yards as a sophomore, another 1,000 this year. And this year he also added 36 catches, which was something, you know, wanted to see if he could prove to be more of a pass catcher. I don't know if he's the most dynamic route runner or anything, but he's shown that he can he can make plays out of the backfield. He had like a 70-yard reception for a touchdown earlier in the year. Like something you'll never doubt with him. He's got that home run ability. He's a decisive runner, great burst, and he's got a low center of gravity. He's such like thickly built that he's he's just tough to bring down. He's not like necessarily like plowing guys over, but he's always fighting for those extra yards. He's always falling over for those yards. So I think this is another guy where he can really take over. Um, you, once he gets hot, he's just tough to slow down. So I think if you can just find an offense to feed Sean Tucker, um, you'll reap the benefits out of it. And to get him at 10, I think, again, is awesome. <laughs> Little bit of a streaky player, and it's when he did he gets have some hot, down gets, down weeks in there. But when he gets hot, he's tough yeah, to stop. 
totally. And that's something where I'm interested to dig in and find out what was that? You know, is that a blocking thing? Is that a vi- like what is what is that thing where all of a sudden you'll have a, the Sean Tucker moments where he just sort of disappears? But uh, some people might get mad at me for saying this because honestly, some people might have Sean ahead of this player, but almost like a Zach Charbonnet light. Because he does, he does what Zach does. Zach just does it better, especially with with adding the pass catching. I mean, both of them kind of proved themselves this year as pa- as pass catchers. They both have that, you know, the the stocky, big stocky power game. But then he'll surprise you. Sean's got that big time burst, like you said, Caleb, on that seventy yard reception touchdown. I, I think that was week one where he just turned on the gas and was gone. And it was like, how is this guy moving like this? I honestly expected him to maybe even climb a little bit more this year. But I mean, again, you get two running backs here in Corum and Tucker at nine and 10. That is a sight to behold. Man, this is, yeah, that that's wild. I can't is even. This, is this strap less good? Or? Yeah, <laughs> no, right. I don't know. Man, uh, Sean Tucker, we've we talked about, I mean, as one of these guys that if if he gets a full-time role, will thrive in it. And we we see, I mean, a lot of games where he's getting 20 carries and he's putting up some pretty gaudy stat lines. I'm looking at 22 carries, 225 yards. I mean, 21 carries, 125 yards. These are these are games where Sean Tucker is looking like a bona fide, you know, one a type of running back and that that pop of speed is what you're looking for where he gets through that line he turns on the jets and it's see you later it's it's not oh yeah no sean tucker you got that 65 yard run but you know at safety tracked him down i don't know if there's a guy that can track him down once he gets into that open field because i mean sean tucker it's 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 pretty special yeah this charbonnet comp is interesting i think they both have a little like Charbonnet. I feel like is a better tackle breaker and maybe a little better like making guys miss. But Tucker has more long speed, so kind of interesting how that evens out between them. And I, I don't know. Yeah, to get Tucker here, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I've seen him kind of all over the board in NFL draft stuff. Like I've seen like round three, four. Like Tucker's a day three guy, which I don't agree with, but. Out of all these running backs, he's the one I've seen the most varying, like where he's going to end up. So that'll be interesting to follow. And I just I need to clarify this because comp is a dangerous word around these parts. <laughs> I'm not comping them. I'm just saying that they have similar s- yeah. sets of skills. And uh, you know, Charbonnet just yeah, that's my baby boy. So, <laughs> um, all right, number eleven. Colin, that's my last pick. This is your last pick. Look at these names on the board. I know that's IDP hasn't gone yet. Quarterback hasn't gone yet. Tight end hasn't gone yet. Oh man. If I stay true to things, I'll have all pass catchers. I'll tell you that. But I, man, Will Anderson's a good ball player. (laughs) I'm sitting here like I take Will. So I guess since it's my last pick, I'll just I'll, I'll say I'm I'm waffling. I got Bryce Young, Michael Mayer, and Will Anderson right next to each other, and I, I don't know where to go here, and uh, so I'm struggling a little bit. And uh, 
you know, I gotta have someone to. I feel like I gotta have someone to throw the ball to all my pass catchers. You know, Jackson and Addison and Downs. Um, but I am gonna take Will Anderson. I'm gonna take Will Anderson. I gotta take him. I mean, in a IDP league, a, a guy like this with a DL eligibility is a, a scary sight. I mean, you, you're looking at a guy that has an upside beyond upside. I mean, the, the ceiling is the roof for Will Anderson. Yeah, I didn't get to see him as much this year yet, but I remember from, I did I think I cut up of him last year, and just how utterly dominant he was already um, before he was even draft eligible. And obviously he's been the guy uh, all season, sort of like Bijan when we talk about Dynasty 101. He's been IDP number one for as long as I can remember. NFL draft possibly 101. So when you see these types of guys in IDP, you got to take notice because there's only so many elite pass rushers out there. And if you can get your hands on one of them, and a young one at that, that fills a hole for years to come. And it gives you a premium at a position where other teams may be struggling. So, yeah, I really like this pick here. It'll be interesting to see if he does go, you know, top of the board. But uh, this is probably that range where you start thinking Will Anderson. You know, last year, Hutchinson and Thibodeau were like late first, early second. Um, Will Anderson probably right around there. But I definitely could see him, you know, as high as like 10. If you If you need that guy, he can be that guy. Just want to jump in here. You, you talk about uh, Hutchinson and Thibodeau, and it's like Will Anderson, I think, clears both of them. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty easily in terms of talent. But then you also look at the rest of the draft class in That's comparison. That's what makes yeah. it difficult because we have all these elite skill players. So, you know, Will Anderson last year's class, how high does he go? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that's where, what I'm thinking. It's like, yeah, Will Anderson better than uh, Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau. So, you know, in 2022, he's, you know, maybe hovering around 8, 9, 10. But in this class, it's like, oh, will he sneak in the first round? Yeah, dude. I mean, hey, I, I think it, it, it does look weird this year because of how many names there are. I mean, there are skill guys yet on the board where you're kind of like, damn, dude. But, man, this is Will Anderson. This is the guy. We've been waiting for two years for this to happen. And we're just talking last week about how, or whatever, last week, two weeks ago, whatever. He's Maybe he's not the same player. Maybe he's not even going at 100%. Uh, well, he just won the best defensive player in all the college football <laughs> award. So that's Will Anderson's maybe not 100%. And this guy is going to be an unbelievable weapon as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, potentially, I I don't want to I don't want to clickbait this thing, but highest graded player I've ever had is Miles Garrett, and this might be the next best thing, the next highest graded edge rusher for me, Will Anderson. So yeah, you get this guy late first, and you're feeling pretty decent. And I would have taken him next if you didn't. So, um, number twelve. We made it all the way to the end of the draft. I'd like to take several of these players with me to my new fake team, but I can only take one. And I I have to take Michael Mayer. I I have to take Michael Mayer. I mean, it there are some fun running backs and wide receivers yet available in this draft, but Michael Mayer is 
exceptional and talk about tight ends all you want to because I will talk about them right with you as being (laughs) the most just frustrating position in all of fantasy football dynasty specifically when you think you're walking into 10 years of great production and then uh, you get you know TJ Hawkinson who is fine but he's not anything that's changing the game for you Uh, And that is, that is a realistic risk with Michael Mayer. It is, but at number 12, you have to, you you have to just go for it. I mean, this is a, uh, you know, one of the better tight ends that we've seen come out in recent years um, has that dual threat nature to his game where he is a massive dude who can get very involved in the blocking game. uh, And then also flashes as a, super high upside pass catcher. So right situation, this guy can be that sort of, you know, it doesn't take much to be a top five tight end these days. And he can do that. Uh, but we know how it goes sometimes. It, taking tight ends in the first round can be scary sometimes. Um, it is it scary, always, Caleb. I'm it, always, it always seems like it's going to work out. There's always these can't miss guys, OJ Howard, David Njoku, Noah Fant. And if they don't pan out and you realize you pass on a top skill position guy, wide receiver, running back, it's tough because tight ends, it's like an investment for like three or four years. You got to wait for these guys sometimes to like finally, you know, if you have the guy and if you waste all those years on it, it's just it makes it really difficult. I can't fault you at all here. I think how the board has sort of fallen. It's it seems like the right spot. He's going to be a top pick at the position. Um it's just, yeah, tight end is tight end is tough. It's it, it's a commitment to take one of these guys in the first round. We we talked about. I mean, you you mentioned a lot of the names, and uh, T.J. Hawkinson was a big one. And in 2019, what do you think his ADP was? Uh, six. It, it was eleven. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're sitting here, Michael Mayer at twelve. I mean. Deja vu? Who knows? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Is like I feel like people got well, and and that's a little bit surprising to hear that it was eleven. I know he went higher uh, in our neck of the woods, but I uh, just I feel like people are just really hesitant now. Where it's like you see what happens with a guy like Kyle Pitts, who seems infallible. Uh, you take him real high, and you still don't see the return on investment that you wanted to at this point in his career. Um, so yeah, I get it. I mean, maybe Michael Mayer really will be a second round pick when it's all said and done, but man, I just, at this point in the, at this point in the, in the draft, I mean, take the shot, take the risk that you get, you know, this, this sort of player that, I mean, what Evan Ingram scored like 30 points this week and became tight end three. I mean, doesn't yeah. take much, man. So I was looking. I I actually took Hawkinson in the league uh, with the seventh overall pick in 2019, and I remember being ecstatic. I was like, yeah. "Hell yeah, here we go! This is the guy." And yeah. he's another weird one where it's like he's been solid. Like he's actually t- number three tight end in PPR this year, but it's like the discrepancy. Is- yeah. It's there's no good at tight ends, and it's just like he hasn't quite become what you thought. But you know he's entering year five, so it's just like I said, it's a commitment. And where we like I said, where we are value wise, 
you got to take a chance on probably, I don't know, he goes maybe top 15 NFL draft. There's been some hype around him. So, Yeah, that's the thing. It's like if you take the chance and you hit on him, you don't have to fill your tight end position. You don't have to think about your tight end position for 10 years. That's the thing. That's the upside there. I took Noah Fant that year high second, and I was like, I go straight from Kelsey to Fant. It works perfectly. Yep. <laughs> and then here we are, Fant's on uh, team number two, and he's not doing anything special. He got traded for Russell Wilson. I mean, at least, <laughs> you know. Put that on his resume. <laughs> Well, also, just while we're on the tight end, it's like how many of the top tight ends were like actual like first round picks? Like yeah. Kelsey wasn't, Kittle wasn't, Mark Andrews was a third round pick. Like Waller. Yeah, Waller. I mean, all these guys, those are like, those have been like the top dynasty tight ends for the past five, six years. And I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's equally hard to find those diamonds in the rough because, um, I don't know. You're not going to see production year one at all out of most of those guys. So it's just a very difficult position to project. <laughs> Honestly, good this, with the fresh wound that is Kyle Pitts to the fantasy community, I could easily see Michael Mayer being like the player that like decides what happens with tight ends moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> like if Michael Mayer doesn't turn out to be super fantasy relevant, productive, like, why take one in the first round? Why even do it? Because it's such a crapshoot at that point where it's like, wait for, uh, I can't even think of a name. Uh, wait for, wait for Sam Laporte. Yeah. Well, there you go. Exactly. It's uh, like, doesn't even get drafted, but you pick him up and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I got this athletic tight end who looks good. Right. Yeah. Who's the best tight end in the, in the class? It's Chigo Conquo. Just like, it'll be Sam Laporta in this draft class. I mean, come on. It's like. Uh yeah, save your draft capital and just get Dalton Kincaid at the, the middle yeah, of the yeah, second. Yeah, there it is. We can agree on. See, that's a that's an argument to be had. Would you take a Dalton Kincaid in the late second, early third, or would you take a Michael Mayer at twelve? I mean, that I think Kincaid. the answer to that might be pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm having regrets. Michael Mayer is talking to his family, <laughs> and I'm like, should I call him? Should I call oh, him? Yeah. The challenge? Mike, <laughs> you can go. Brace Young, come on in. Come on. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point because I want to talk about that. Uh, wrap it up here. I mean, obviously, the first round was incredible. We expected that. This class is as deep as advertised, and there's a lot of names here yet. So. Uh, around the horn, any names that are available yet that you're like shocked that you're instantly on the phone with 201 trying to move in? Like, is there anybody like that for you this year? At this moment, no. I think the first round went kind of chalk for me. There's definitely going to be some late risers. I mean, we didn't even talk about Christian Watson until like a month before the draft. So uh, there's going to be guys like that. I think. First round went pretty good for me, but you know, you look at the names out there, uh Rashi Rice, A Chain, uh Hyatt, Zay Flowers, I'll throw in there and some quarterbacks. So um I think the second round is still looking pretty spicy. Oh yeah. Man, I quarterbacks. No quarterbacks in the first round. And 
I I think that's pretty real. Yeah. I don't yeah. think yeah. it's going to happen this year. I agree. We've been we've been sort of teasing this and we are not that long away from breaking it all down uh the quarterback class for this year but it's I don't know. It's kind of mid. I I can see if you're in uh a non superflex league I can see a guy. Uh, this might be a hot take. Someone just taking Anthony Richardson first, like just just get the high upside rushing quarterback. And if you don't have a whole a whole lot of needs to fill, obviously, and you just you just take a guy that you think has the you know we'll say it, the Lamar Jackson upside because that that's really where his upside lies. It's like this uber athletic you know the rushing is there and then can the throwing get there and uh, obviously that's a, a huge question but uh that that's that's what i'm interested to see is how high will anthony richardson end up going because he did declare declare and i guess we'll see uh where he ends up getting taken in the nfl draft and we had this whole conversation so we don't got to rehash it but that's my biggest, like, mm, Anthony Richardson, that'd be nice to have on my team when he starts going fucking nuclear. I think it gets to a point in the draft where if you, if it gets late enough, like, why not? You know, like if, like, even Bryce Young, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a lot of interesting conversations leading up to this one, but I feel like there is a realistic scenario where you do really just bet on the upside because taking a guy like Bryce Young may not even it, it may not pay the dividends that it's worth. I mean, unless you're talking about, you know, maybe Bryce falls to the late second, then sure, that sounds fine. But I mean, if you're again, we we'll pose this question. Would you take Bryce Young at 201 or would you take Anthony Richardson at 301? I'd tell you what I'd take. Yeah, it's really tough. And with how we, I know how we do the quarterback scoring, um, rewarding those touchdowns and the sort of quarterback boost, like it's so important to have that guy at your quarterback position, that elite producer. You can't have these, you can have them, you can have the Kirk Cousins, you can have uh, these above average quarterbacks, but it's the elite ones with the rushing upside or a Patrick Mahomes that gets you to the championship game that gets you to the playoffs and does taking CJ Stroud is that going to be the guy that takes you there is Bryce Young going to I I mean if you're betting on rushing upside and that kind of stuff I'd be going Anthony Richardson or a name I know you guys don't love a lot but Will Levis has those traits too I mean if we're talking upside those would be the guys. So it'll be an interesting quarterback class and very interesting for Superflex how you would fit these guys into all these other skill position players. So, yeah, very interesting. Hey, Colin, do you think Josh Allen is good at football? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, most of the time, yeah. So then why didn't you take Will Levis at number 11? <laughs> Fair point. You know, I, it's the same guy. No, uh, man, this this is this is going to be a fun draft season. It is. This quarterback, we've been teasing this quarterback one for a little while. It's less than a month away. This was the beginning. This was the start of the 2023 draft season at Camp Dynasty. Obviously, you know, going through the list, we're pretty familiar with all of these names by now, but we will be painting a much 
more nuanced picture of each of them coming up here uh, when we get into our positional rankings and then transitioning to real draft season, the senior bowl, the combine, all the fun stuff. Maybe we do a live show from mobile. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> throwing it out there, but um, all right. Well, Caleb, I pr- really appreciate you being the very first distinguished guest of camp dynasty. Uh, you give, can you do the plug thing? Can you do like you're the, like you're a real podcast guest? Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to be on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at keel pro 88. You can find me on YouTube keel pro 88. You can join the dynasty index, Patreon, uh, dot com slash probably keel pro 88 dollar a month. Join the dynasty index. You can get all my, uh, rookie rankings, all that sort of stuff. We're really, uh, diving into that now that college football is done. Um, obviously, YouTube channel. I'm going to be doing more cut-ups as they come along. And also, you can do- join the Dynasty Nerds film room. Uh, use code KEELPRO88, 15% off. And you'll also be able to find um, work from the other guys there and all 22 uh, film that I can't upload to YouTube. So if you're interested in that, I would join there as well. So I think that's everything. <laughs> Colin, I think we need a film room. Oh, yeah, geez. yeah, I think you're right. The Camp Dynasty film room. Can we set up like a theater in one of the cabins out here and just just put gosh. an iPhone on a tripod? <laughs> I would love a, a nice getaway now that the, the kids are all out for school and everything. Right? You know, maybe get the adults out to Camp Dynasty and we sit back, roast some marshmallows and watch some film on the projector. Oh, hell that yeah. Sounds nice. Anybody, <laughs> can we find a real campsite and do that? This, that sounds, this, sounds <laughs> yeah, this would be a nice weekend getaway just to watch film. <laughs> I'm in, man. You don't got to tell me twice. All right. Um, so, yeah, there. follow and find Keel Pro 88 everywhere. You will be much smarter if you do that. Um, you can also find us in some places. You can find Camp Dynasty on Twitter at Camp underscore Dynasty, as well as TikTok at Camp dot Dynasty. Um, and listen here every week moving forward because it's all about the draft now, baby. All about the draft. God, I can't wait. What are we doing uh, uh, next week? We should talk about that. Yeah, we should talk. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll figure that, that out. Well, yeah. It's a spoiler for you and for us, potentially. Ooh. So there it is. <laughs> the ultimate spoiler, wow. the ultimate teaser. Um, all right. Well, fun mock draft. We'll get this posted up there and break it all down. Let us know what sucks. Let us know why Michael Mayer should not be a first-round draft pick. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty. Have a great day.